Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I think social spaces and social groups and communities are the only way to bring it back, really. Because even if you have it, we don't have a perfect education system, but even if you have a perfect education system where people are leaving school fluent, like you said, if you don't use it, you know, you lose it. And that is the nature of a language. Hello and welcome to A Life in Dublin. I'm your host, Mark, and with your permission, we'd love this podcast to be your digital companion for the next little bit at least. Today's episode is the second in a short series of episodes about the Irish language in Ireland. I spoke to Emma Ferrari, who uses the Irish language on a daily basis in her personal and her professional life. We talk about her recommendations for how we can go about using more Irish in our lives, the value that will give us, and the challenges and joys of learning a language as an adult. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. I don't take your time or attention for granted, and I really hope you are enjoying these chats that I'm putting out on a weekly basis. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you could share it with a friend or leave a rating or review. By doing so, we get to reach new listeners and continue to grow this really warm and really supportive community. But now here's my conversation with Emma from County Kildare. That's what it is. But even just as a medium, I'm like, we literally have people on the moon and our phone line is still so bad. What's that <laughs> yeah. about? Like, why has no one yeah. approved that? Conspiracy theory starts here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one went to the moon in the first place. <laughs> Maybe not. I know. Um, just to be clear for anybody who's listening, I do believe that people went to the moon because these things can go uh, but one it's, way or the other. It's just interesting that the phone signal to the moon was as good as a Zoom call, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're hiding some tech on us somewhere. Yeah. Um, so we're just chatting a little bit about like how you kind of got into radio and, yeah. and stuff like that. Is it something that you like really have found a passion for that you found that you love, or or how do you feel about working in radio in general or podcasts, podcasting? Yeah, I think I was a bit shy about it at first, and maybe the two big drivers for me are like community and that side of things because I've always worked for community stations and even the work I do with Radio Rerun now like you're training in new people you're bringing new people into the space you're giving other people opportunities and I think that's really important um, or giving them a platform if you're speaking to them on air but I also just really love conversation mm. um, and I think in radio spaces especially especially compared to TV because I've tried a bit of that um, it's just more relaxed it's more real you can look the person in the eye you know if we were on camera we'd be looking yeah, a true. different direction or your bodies are faced away from each other it's it's a different space um and yeah i just like the i think i'm just curious yeah and i like to be able to ask the awkward question or mm. you know maybe something that wouldn't naturally come up in conversation mm. because you're kind of given that authority when you're on microphone mm. um yeah i really enjoy that side of it i think like as i said there the authenticity to it maybe is particularly podcasting as well yeah um i mean obviously on radio there's it depends on on what you're you're allowed to do and what you're how much freedom you have i guess yeah. but if you're under time pressure or you have to play a certain amount of songs and stuff that obviously can impact how maybe authentic a person is on the radio but mm-hmm. the other side of it is like 
the as you said being on camera and there's I think there's people who are good at that yeah I personally can't do it like even doing this um the idea of me being like on a camera I just find that yeah. I, I really I don't want that <laughs> and it's becoming more and more a thing like if you're doing um things for commercial stations especially like your image kind of is as important and I think when I started in radio that wasn't really true you maybe had a, a profile picture and that was the extent of it yeah um but I think you get to know someone in a different way when you're listening to them speak as opposed to watching them um especially now with social media and everything like when we're watching influencers I always wonder how much of it are we actually listening to or how much are we like checking what they're wearing what's their hair like what are mm. they you know what kind of eye contact are they making yeah. um how authentic whatever that means in social media context they are um but yeah radio has that extra breathing room or podcasting sorry as opposed to radio has that space um, and I really like that in the podcast I'm doing now. Um, you know, you're not constrained to an hour. You don't have to fill it out if you don't feel like the conversation isn't there. And you also don't have to rush through it because, you know, you, you have that space to, to breathe in, I suppose. Um, and as well, when you're doing music shows, and I think a lot of some of my favorite broadcasters have kind of gone in the direction of podcasting or maybe Spotify podcasting because they can play their own music. It's hard I find anyway as someone who like loves music I, I don't really love doing a chart show where you're like great new song from whoever mm -hmm. name names when you like haven't listened to it or you don't really like it's not your thing um and I find that yeah I don't enjoy pretending that much yeah so if you're doing something that you actually care about or want to share or want to um yeah want to give to the listener it's different that's an interesting one about music isn't it because yeah. um I think maybe three years ago i was starting to lose a little bit of heart in music in general i was like you know there's no good new music where are the where are the really talented musicians obviously this is my own fault but i wasn't finding them as easily as i did in the past mm -hmm. you know when you're a kid you went into like golden discs or hmb and you yeah you kind of you could just look around and you were like okay this looks cool i'm gonna buy this because mm -hmm. it's got a cool cover or somebody recommended it to me or something like that and then you listen to the whole album yeah um and you might hate the third song the first time you listen to it but two months later you absolutely love it yeah and you have this weird kind of evolution and relationship with music um that just doesn't really happen anymore and so music has to kind of grab you straight away and I think that was my own fault or lack of patience that I had with music. And like you said, listening to the radio where they're just playing mostly chart music, which I just didn't connect with at all. Um, but recently, kind of through doing this um, podcast and getting to know some musicians on the scene and we have some like live podcasts and some musicians come in and, and play. And I'm listening to them and I'm like, how are you not really famous? Mm -hmm. And it just, I, I can't get it at, like, it's a strange feeling because, like, these people are so talented, crazy talented. Yeah. Um, and they might not even be known outside of Dublin. And, you know, there must be musicians like this all over the world. And it's that industry in general, I feel like needs to be, something needs to happen so that these musicians kind of get a little bit more of a platform compared to what they're they're getting currently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because it's, it's an industry, it's a business at the end of the day. And I think 
maybe the average person on the street doesn't realize to what extent that's true or how much of it is manufactured or you know and they're like oh I love that guy who's in the top three you're like but why like how many times have you heard that song like how long did it take for that to be embedded in you um and also there's so much like research and everything behind it to like find the perfect hook and whatever else which maybe isn't I don't want to say that's not authentic like it's an art in itself but it's not the same as some guy who's just like picked up his guitar to start busking and yeah. you know, maybe finds his own way to it. But I think in Dublin, we're really good at supporting our artists and we mm. have. And again, that community aspect is so important. And that was why I loved community radio first, because you have small specialist shows who are playing music you might not have heard otherwise. Or, you know, in Radina Liffa, you have the late night DJs who are literally pulling out like vinyls and things from everywhere from the 70s till like amazing. two weeks ago. And they're amazing. Um, and I love that element of like sharing that happens yeah. in those stations as well. You see them hand over their box of vinyls to the next person sometimes, and that's yeah. so nice. Um, but I think we have a lot of that with like DDR or with the um, even the nights, the open mic nights and things that happen around the city. You see mm. artists working together and kind of creating that grassroots space. And we've seen like the result of that in the last few years, I think, as well. Like especially in Limerick, there seems to be a great scene as well. But like Narrow Lane and all those artists have come out of that space. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Are you from Limerick? No, no. no. <laughs> I just really like them. <laughs> it's <style> of fan. <laughs> no, I'm from Kildare. From Kildare, all right, yeah. very good. From Kildare Town or? No, I'm from Minute. Minute, yeah. Oh, very good. I have a, quite a few, well, I have two um, friends who have recently moved to Minute. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, bought houses spot. there. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. The dream. Yeah. Um, Jeez, I'm, I'm a bit of a step away from it. But, uh, that's the other thing about podcasting. You're not exactly going to be a millionaire. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Unless you're uh, some of the um, exceptional ones. But um, the reason we wanted to talk in the first place, I guess, today was I'm kind of curious to learn a little bit more about your relationship with the Irish language and, mm-hmm. and Gaelic and stuff like that. And even when you were kind of messaged in there before, I've, I've seen this thing in the last few days of... Uh, people who are maybe Gwelgors or kind of integrate Irish into their life on a daily basis um, using the abbreviation. So instead of saying like Garamila Mahogut, you say G-R-M-A, like Garamila, I guess that would be. Yeah. Um, I felt I felt like included in the club when you said that <laughs> at the end of your message, Garamila. I was like, yeah, oh yeah, the code. Cool. You're in, in the, the lingo code. <laughs> Um, how How is it that you, you're obviously fluent in Irish and how did that mm-hmm. come about and how did you maintain that? Yeah, um, it was a bit of like a windy road, but I went to, <coughs> sorry, sorry, I went to a Grail Scholar Primary School um, and that was totally by accident. My mom didn't go to school in Ireland and my dad doesn't have Irish. Um, so it was like, it was literally this guy across the road who we didn't know at the time, but his family friend now. Um, and he knocked on the front door and was like, you have a child the same age as my daughter. We're starting a school. We have six kids. We need eight for a class. Oh, my God. Um, so I was one of the first to go through Gwelskola Iach, um, which is now a huge school. And there's like a huge community in Manute that's full. There's massive waiting list. They have a Gwelskola now second level school. So that's grown massively, Amazing. which is really nice. Yeah. Um, so I went to primary school. We went to secondary school and had an option to do the junior cert through Irish, but it was... It was a bit of a mess and we didn't always have teachers with Irish. We had teachers with Irish, but books in English. And I didn't really understand what the extra effort was for, I suppose. So by the time mm. I got to college, like I wasn't really thinking of it. it wasn't on my CAO. It wasn't, I didn't really realize it was something I could do outside of school, I guess. It was like a subject and yeah. that was that. Um, and I never went to the Gaeltacht either. And my parents were kind of like, oh, you went to a primary school, you'd be fine. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, I didn't have that experience. And I actually went to DCU and did communications um, through English. I didn't think twice about it. Um, and I wasn't having the best time in college, but I kind of was going back to Maynooth where my friends were all in the Irish society there. They had started college and some of them were doing Irish. They'd fallen into the Cumann Gaelach. Um, and we're just having a ball. They're having the best time ever. So I was going out with them and they brought me one day to this pub on Harcourt Street called Club Hunter Nagaelga. It's underground, mm. uh, like an old man kind of spot. And the service and everything is Osgoelga. The people who are drinking there are speaking Osgoelga. And I had never seen the likes. I like did not know that that existed. And it totally changed my mind about the whole thing. Um, so at the end of the college year, I dropped out of DCU and I went back to media and Irish in Maynooth. Um, and from there, I've just kept it up, I guess. But it was definitely that social aspect that caught my attention and pulled me back in because I was like, oh, I can actually use this. And it opened so many doors. There's so many opportunities, so many groups, so many interesting people that I've met through that, that I would never have known if I hadn't kind of opened my mind a bit to it. And I was not, I was definitely very rusty going back to it as well. Mm. Um, Cause I think people think that you have to be fluent to go into those spaces. And like, I was not, I maybe had a bit of confidence because I had done it in school, but looking back, I'm like, oh, you're actually quite bad. <laughs> but yeah. I think once you get past that confidence barrier, it, yeah, it just opens so many doors. Yeah, I think for me personally, I, I like I would have been okay at Irish in school. Like, yeah. I would have been able to halt my own, but I haven't utilized it in any way, shape or form since I left. So mm -hmm. it's in my mind, it's gone. Like I'll know yeah. obviously certain things and things might come back to me. Or if you say something, I might be able to understand it, but I would never have been able to come up with that phrase myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I, um, I interviewed an Irish teacher uh, the other day. Um, she's called Irish with Molly on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And um, she sent me a course. So I'm going to start that, actually. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, I think I, I would like to get back into it. I my in the last 10 years, I, I learned Spanish. And when I came back from Spain, I lived there for four years. I actually used to have nightmares about losing Spanish oh. because it was so difficult for me to get to yeah. a good level of it that I was like, I just can't make that go to, I can't let that yeah. go to waste. It's not something that can happen. Yeah. Um, so another thing is, I think I'm going to get a bit mixed up between Spanish and Irish at the beginning. Um, and I'm hoping that the Irish doesn't push out the Spanish, but um, yeah, I'm you. sure I have uh, brain enough to manage to learn a few more words. But yeah. it would be amazing to be able to go into a place like what you described and just have a chat in Irish. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that it wasn't anything that, like for you that was like pride. It wasn't necessarily that. It was simply you like a function, actually. Yeah. Communicating, yeah. which at the end of the day is what a language is for. So it was nice that you had that experience where you, you went out and, and mm -hmm. had the opportunity to learn it or yeah. use it. And I think that's something that people forget a lot when they're speaking about the Irish. We tend to romanticize it a lot or like it has a place in ceremony, I think, in a lot of cases in the country. Mm. But at the end of the day, it is a language like you need to be able to go out and use it or it doesn't have it doesn't have a function. Um, and it definitely was the community that got me before. Like I'm proud of it now. And I maybe have a deeper understanding of the culture because of the events I've gone to over the years, the festivals I've been to, the people I've met. Um, but that definitely came after the initial, yeah, just the community aspect, I think was what drew, drew me in first. Um, and it's interesting because 
if you put a group of English speakers in a room, there is no reason why they would get along. Like they have nothing in common except the language. And I kind of thought mm. that about the Irish as well. I was like, well, why would I get on with these people? Like just because we speak the same language. But actually, because it's a minority language, they tend to have a lot of the same values or a lot of the same interests, a lot of the same um, cultural or even pop cultural interests. So there is more of a foundation, I think, to make friends and to meet people that you maybe have something else in common with. Um, and it's opened a lot of other doors in terms of like there's arts collectives that I've gotten involved in. There's um, music nights that maybe I would go to that I wouldn't have had the confidence to if I'd been in maybe a wider space. But because it's a little bit closed, it's a little bit safer. It's a little bit like, you know, nobody's going to take the piss out of you if you're yeah. bad at something. Um, so it's kind of given me a bit of bravery, I think, as well. Um, which is interesting because I think a lot of people have a lot of fear around the language or getting involved or jumping into a group like that. But actually, because people are understanding of that barrier, it is a bit safer of a space to be in. You know, I think that fear comes from and I think this is probably why um, I mentioned this before in another conversation. But, you know, a lot of kids who grow up maybe in, in Europe learning English, mm-hmm. anytime they're speaking English, most of the time anyway, they're being assessed. Mm-hmm. Anytime you open your mouth, you're being judged. Yeah. Um, and actually in Ireland, we probably have a very similar experience because anytime you would have o- opened your mouth, me personally anyway, to speak Irish, exactly. I, I would have been assessed either by my teacher or corrected by my teacher. So you're very conscious of that. Yeah. So if I was to go like naturally now and, and speak to someone in Irish, I would have that feeling that I'm being yeah that's true yeah um it's interesting though because i think uh, with irish there's a little bit of we feel like we should be good at it or we've done it for so long that we should be perfect at it but like if you speak to someone who's just moved here from france or spain like they have an accent they maybe don't have every tense perfect but you understand them and you're not going to be like oh that was wrong like you're not going to correct them and Irish is the same. Um, but for some reason, we're like, no, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to do it right. And I'm going to have to get every free here cart and I'm going to have to get every word in. Um, but like, we don't even do that in English. So I'm not sure why we hold ourselves to such a high standard. Maybe it is that idea of being assessed or mm. that we've we've already passed the exams. So we should have a certain level of proficiency. Or maybe we didn't pass the exams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's maybe the biggest thing that we need to let go of. Yeah. And it's hard as well because I recently started learning Italian. And I know when I bring friends to Irish events, I'm like, just do it. Like you have it. Just just open your mouth. And then when I was over there, I was literally like, I can't get a word out of my mouth. <laughs> um, it is it is difficult. Yeah, yeah. As an adult, I think that's one thing I underestimated when I learned Spanish because I started mm-hmm. from, from zero, moved over there. And I thought, I remember saying to my sis, there's such a stupid thing. I said to my sister, because she was bringing me to the airport, I said, oh, I'll be back in six months. And by the time I'm back, I'll be fluent. Yeah. Absolutely not the case. <laughs> it's such a process. Such a, but it's weird because as an adult, like it's you, you would have experienced this when you went to Italy, maybe. You can't be yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you meet someone for the first time in Italian and they've got no English, yeah, they're going to have no idea who Emma really is. Yeah. And yeah. you just have to be a new person and and have a specific level of a language and just kind of cope and manage yeah and and that's why i have so much respect for people to move here with a very low level of english and then they get through like years later they've got an amazing level of english but for two to three even maybe four years they might feel like they can't fully be themselves yeah horribly um 
difficult experience. That is true. And I remember when I started meeting people Asquaidega being kind of frustrated because I did I couldn't be funny in Irish, if yeah. that makes sense. Not that I'm like terribly funny in English yeah. either, but I wasn't quick enough to make a sarcastic comment or to translate a joke. Yeah. I couldn't hop in. Yeah. And it felt like such a wall. I was like, these people don't even know what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the exact same experience yeah. in Spanish. And then sometimes I'd be afraid, just like, oh, maybe somebody's already made this joke and I just didn't <laughs> yeah. understand it. I didn't catch it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, as an adult, learning a language is a different experience yeah. to as a kid. We don't like making mistakes. I think that's true of everything as well. Mm. Um, I've started a few classes or just trying to get back into like art or music or whatever. And it's so hard to be bad at something, but like you have to be a beginner at some point or else you're not going to get anywhere. Um, but I think we're just so self-conscious and it's hard to let go of that. Do you think there's any value in Let's say there's an Irish Renaissance, yeah. right? And for whatever reason, uh, 95% of the people in Ireland communicate in Irish on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Just imagine hypothetical situation. <laughs> yeah. What would be the value in that? That's such a huge question. I'm not even sure where to start. But I do think that learning the language like reconnects you to something. And that I know I just was given out by people romanticizing the language, but I do think it's true. And even if you look at it on like a really basic, like geographical level, like if you look at our place names, like we don't know where we're living. We don't know what those places mean, because in English, they don't really mean anything like many mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything or, you know, cork or whatever these words are. They, they're literally just words or made up words. Um, whereas something that I always think is really interesting is if you look at the places in Ireland that flood a lot, a lot of those place names are literally like swampy place, wet place. Like really? it was in the name, like we shouldn't have built on them in the first place. <laughs> um, but we're just disconnected from our surroundings at a small level. And even when I was in Italy, I remember they were explaining in one of our classes, like the names of the flowers and what they meant for different festivals. And usually the name would connect to, uh, you know, a tradition or there was one named after mothers and they used it on Women's Day. Um, and we have that in Irish, like we have that all around us all the time and mm -hmm. we don't see it or we don't hear it because we don't know it. Yeah. Um, so it, it connects your grounds you, I think, in a maybe a hippy dippy kind of way to your surroundings. But I think that's really special. Um, and I think that it's part of the mindset, like, I don't want to go too deep on it, but like we, we were colonized. It's, mm. We've been removed from our ground in a way that we don't even recognize. Yeah. Um, and because we don't recognize it or because there's still a little bit of like internalized bitterness there, like we don't necessarily miss it. Mm. But I think when I realized that it was there and that you could actually access it, it was so valuable again. Yeah. And actually from from being um, in a kind of expat community or working with these people for maybe 10 years now. Um, you know, I, I guess that has, has been one of the reasons why I am I'm more interested in it as well, because ironically, uh, and I just saw a comment on, on a video I posted about Irish uh, yesterday and someone was saying, oh, the more multicultural Ireland becomes, the less chance we have of, of learning Irish. And I was like, oh, this person is just, oh. they just have it totally wrong. And unfortunately, there's too many people out there like that. But I actually think it's completely the opposite. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, because you'll have people from France, Italy, Brazil, Mexico, wherever going, oh, you've got an Irish, like, why have your signs? Your, your signs are in two languages. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested about this other language. Yeah. They're not going to learn it, but they're interested to know about it. Yeah. Um, and the majority of Irish people can't speak to that. They can't go into it. 
and it is if we if we truly say that we are a nation and different to english people americans australians etc other english-speaking countries then we need something to actually say well this is what makes us different yeah like we have a whole, as you said, there's a, a culture or there's a way of life in a language. Mm-hmm. That... We've lost a lot of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I imagine so. With, um, a, a writer, Mortino Kine, he'd be one of the biggest kind of Irish language writers. And he has this famous quote, like, what is Ireland without Irish, but Sassana Bilg, like a little England. Mm. And I think that we see that even in our culture and the way things are going in terms of like the capitalist nature of how we live our lives now or the kind of rush. I feel like everything here is so rushed, especially after living in Italy where they just like really lignamadi lestro, like they they let everything kind of go with the flow. And I think having English has made us more susceptible to like the American culture or like the Starbucks culture as opposed to leaning maybe towards European mm-hmm. lifestyles and things. Now obviously we don't have the weather for that either. Yeah. <laughs> but I always think of like the coffee tradition in Italy and how strong that is compared to the Starbucks tradition that has come in here. Like we were mm. running around with our keep cups and we're trying to keep up with everything. And I think that having English has made us more susceptible to that. Yeah. Or even just like the culture and the pop culture we consume is all, um, you know, it's American, it's English. Obviously we have great stuff coming out of Ireland now as well, but it's on a smaller scale. Um, it is on a smaller yeah. scale. And, and to be honest, when we grew up, I think it was maybe 5% Irish yeah, TV yeah. shows. I mean, apart from watching Ray Darcy on, on The Den yeah. or Den TV. Even um, listening to teenagers speak English now, though, they have American accents off. Yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a huge disconnect, I think, from our communities and the spaces and even like the idea of Bohantyachter that we used to always be visiting each other. And I know that that is just general modernity that we've moved away from that a little bit. But I think that when you go to Gweldhoct areas, you still see that that's really like open door policy and they still have that. I'm not sure it's directly connected to the language. It is like a country versus city thing as well. But I think they are a little bit more in tune to their communities and yeah, just the people around them. And they know their connections because the names all kind of uh, answer to each other Mm. Um, or even just. I remember I have a friend from Connemara and the way they speak about direction um, they still use like, I don't even know what the English equivalent is, but they'd say like, I can't even think of them now, like uh, Anas near here, like he knows when he's standing in a room, he always knows what direction he's looking in. I don't know what benefit that brings to their lives, but I'm sure it's something like he always mm. knows where the sun is going to rise and set because he knows what way he's looking um, or what way the house is facing. Like I, I wouldn't have yeah, but that's, any of that. Like within that, in itself, there's there's a history and yeah. like I, you being curious about it, there must be a reason. At some mm-hmm. point, somebody thought that this was useful. Yeah. Um. Maybe nowadays it's not because we have our phones to tell us which direction, and most <laughs> of the time when we're in a room, we know where we are. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's there is a reason to that, and I'm sure there's a function at some point, and it's probably really interesting, mm-hmm. and I hope that somebody's able to explain it, but. Um, yeah, I'm afraid that we're going to lose all that stuff, to be honest. Yeah. What makes us different? Um, I watched um, a TED talk uh, a while back. Um, I spoke about it before in another podcast called The Beauty of the Irish Language. Donald something. It was uh, a guy who was talking about Irish and the essentially the beauty of the language. And he spoke about something... Uh, which I thought was was really interesting, at the name of um, a wolf. I can't remember what it is in Irish. 
and obviously in our culture we associate a wolf as being something like like you would fear a wolf Mm -hmm. obviously you would be afraid of it and obviously then you have in in pop culture there's like wolverine there's um you know generally there's films that are of wolves attacking people what's that one with Liam Neeson in it I can't remember but anyway it's a terrible movie um (laughs) still watched it and it's terrible but enjoyable um but the translation that he said for wolf um, from Irish into English would have been uh, son of the land. Mm-hmm. And that's totally different. Yeah. It has a different connotation because son of the land is like a protector yeah. of the land and something you leave alone, but respect, mm-hmm. not fear, but it's a respect. And fear is very different to respect. Yeah. It's a different it's a different frequency of, mm-hmm. of, of a feeling. Um, with just in that example alone, you have an understanding of your reality it can be based off the language that you speak. Yeah. Um, and I find that really interesting and very powerful. And I don't want to lose another way to see reality, which we have through Irish. Or maybe I want to kind of relearn that so I can start seeing things in another way again. Yeah. I always think of it like you know when you're in a really beautiful place but it's really bright and you're like oh, should I put on my sunglasses and I can still see everything but it's a slightly different colour and like you are still seeing the same thing but it's just I don't know it's a different frequency like you said yeah but I think that we can reconnect and there's so many tools for that now and it is a conversation again um, and we see things like on the kind of more aerial side of things or like this kind of stuff that we're talking about in terms of you know, reconnecting with the land and the place names and the, the flora and fauna around us. So Moncom McGann has done a lot of work around that. He has the books that you can read and like kind of get that understanding of of how we used to see things. And um, but then on a way more practical level, like there there's like stand up comedy you can go to Osquelga. There's, you know oh, right. um there's if you if you're if you're into anything really, there's a group for it. You can go and take part in just like everyday things. Mm-hmm. Osquelga, like you can I don't know, I feel like you can mix that side of like the romantic relearning and reconnecting to land and space and, and naming things. But you can also just go out and live as you would in English, Osquelga too. And I think that that's really important. Um, I think that we could put too much emphasis maybe on the flowery stuff um, and without actually then going to use the language, I don't know how much benefit that has. Yeah. I think it could be a good starting point or a good place to like inspire people to maybe look a bit deeper. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's a language, it, it's to be spoken. Yeah. So you would think that really there's not going to be a revival unless people have a place to actually use it. Definitely. I think social spaces and social groups and communities are the only way to bring it back, really. Because even if you have it, we don't have a perfect education system. But even if you have a perfect education system where people are leaving school fluent, like you said, if you don't use it, you know you lose it and that is the nature of a language Um, so say even in my case I would have not really had that much Irish leaving school because I was doing my exams and leaving and I wasn't putting that anywhere I wasn't going out I wasn't speaking to anyone else I wasn't listening to podcasts or whatever else but we have the option to do that now and I think that that's really important I would love even say in schools it is great that they are learning it in the classroom. But I really liked that initiative that Joe McHugh brought in a few years ago, where like PE or art or something like that was taught through Irish. Yeah. Because you're connecting it to a skill or to a 
something else, the reason to carry it on outside of the language or outside of the classroom. Um, and then you've groups like Nagoya Loga, which I think are amazing. And they've built so they're, um, a GAA team who play Oscarilla. And they started with like, you know, 10 lads on a pitch poking around. And now they have, I don't want to say the wrong number, but they definitely have three hurling teams. They have football teams, they have uh, women's football, camogie, amazing. parents groups. They have like 60... 16 the first group and 19 the second group of kids going out every Saturday to do GAA Osgoelga. Um, and so those children are taking it outside of the classroom and they'll go on to play it in their teens and they'll go on to play it when they're adults, hopefully. And while the children are playing, the mothers can do Pilates Osgoelga or there's a mother's team now. Um, so they have a whole community and they're teaching the parents Irish as well. Like I think that structures like that are so important. And I think that that will probably do more in that community than the classrooms will at the end of the day. Now, yeah. obviously, the Gwelchloshi and the Gwelchloshi have a huge role there too. Um, and we see them growing everywhere now, which is amazing. Um, but I do think that community building is the key to yeah. bringing it back. I know like in, in you'll see in places like Catalonia and, and mm. the Basque country that you know it's mandatory to use the language in, in certain like public offices and stuff like that. Um, because I I do think that they I know and I've heard this before and I mentioned it before too that I think in Catalonia they actually studied Ireland as an example as to you know oh interesting why is there like a, a declining level of use of the yeah. language because these people seem to be very proud to be Irish mm-hmm. um similar that we're proud to be Catalan but they're not speaking it why is that. Um, and obviously there's not just one simple answer to that but and it goes back to you know colonization and all these kinds of things but I think post-independence their analysis was that since there was no function like you say to the language post school mm-hmm. that is the primary reason why it's not used so they made it mandatory in, in universities in if you're I don't know if you work in the tax office in, in Catalonia it has to be done through Catalan okay. um, and there's there's obviously many critics to that as well you know from the rest of Spain or even within Catalonia that's a conversation not for me and not for today <laughs> but um, you go there and everybody speaks Catalan yeah mostly yeah. Um, and in the Basque country as well so it is possible that we can be bilingual, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's without that use of it, because I think we have a misunderstanding really of what a language actually is, um, and assessing a language as a subject. I mean, obviously you have to do it, and teachers have to be able to assess it in some way, shape, or form. But it's it's a it's a functional thing. It's like how can you really assess a functional form of communication? That's yeah. what it is. It's communication. Can you communicate? Um, and that's the problem with our way of teaching it is that often we can you know turn out an essay or we can wrote learn whatever. But can we have a conversation and can we have it off script? Yeah. Not always. Um, you need that pressure. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is, though, there is like there's a European standard for language learning. Um, and if you're, you know, do, if you want to get a job in certain offices in Italy, you'd have to have this standard. Um, and it go, it's like an A1, A2, B1, B2 and C1 and C2. I don't think we actually have C2 in Irish because nobody has set that standard just oh, yet. Okay. Um, but the it's called the Tassensorp of Gaelic. It's like based on that European um, 
framework for language learning. And I don't understand why we're not teaching that in our schools. It makes no sense to me. And you do it to an extent in university. Some of it is based on it, but not all of it. Um, but say if you were to go and learn French to a you know, level of proficiency that you could use it in the European Union or whatever, you would have to learn it that way. Mm. Um, so I'm like, well, the research is there. It, it is proven to work and it assesses all aspects of language use in terms of like oral skills, oral skills, written skills. Um, and it also puts it into like a practical use. I remember being a bit angry about the exam I got because I was like, with all current affairs questions and if you didn't know anything about the news, you couldn't answer the question. And uh, in my mind at the time that was like wrong, but actually in hindsight, I'm like, well, if I couldn't have a conversation about the news, like in the pub, what use was my <laughs> what use was my language skill really? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one that that is there. And we just, we're like, oh, maybe we'll try this. Maybe we'll try that. And I'm like, the answer is actually in front of us. Mm. Um, but I think that there's a big disconnect. And I mean, this is, again, huge conversation, but there's a, a disconnect in like, we don't have an A, B, C in terms of primary school, secondary school, university level Irish. Like you kind of learn the very basics, maybe in primary school, if you have good teachers and you go into first year and they're like, write an essay that jump is huge yeah um, and so from the get-go then people are like i can't do this like it's not for me i'm I'm not able to and it's not that they're not able to they just weren't given the tools from the start yeah um and it's kind of a fania fee it's a, a vicious circle because then you have people who are you know qualifying to teach who maybe aren't happy or comfortable in themselves speaking the language so they don't give it to the children and yeah you know i don't want to criticize teachers either because I, it's a bigger problem than that no, but. um it is, and it is and with respect to them you know teaching a language to 30 kids in a room yeah is hard they all have different abilities they all learn in different ways i for example um i don't, I don't know i've never really tested myself but I think I'm very bad at logically understanding a language, very bad. Um, <laughs> but I can Sorry. kind of copy sounds, mm -hmm. and I think I learn more through my ear. And yeah. could be why I like bloody podcasts so much. Yeah. I don't know. There's something happening there in my brain that might be more active than the rest of my brain. Because I'm, I just had a flashback there to when you're speaking of, like I was in higher level classes. I obviously did okay, but when I was writing in Irish, I had no clue what I was writing. Mm -hmm. Like I would give that to the teacher and I'd be like, I think that might mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, I just don't think this because basically I'm putting the grammar onto a page. Yeah. But then she was like, oh, it's OK. You've done this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. But I was like, OK, but I don't know why. Why? What's yeah. wrong with that? Yeah. Um, and I never got past that level in Irish just because um, my teacher didn't have the time to pull me aside and, and I'm not that's no criticism of yeah. her whatsoever because she didn't have the time it was impossible for her but really what I needed um in that point was to kind of understand why that was a mistake and uh, to have a like the, a real function to it that wasn't just writing on mm -hmm. a piece of paper about Uncarvet Makava or some story yeah. that I had no <laughs> clue back. yeah I had no meaning, no understanding of it really. Yeah. Um, and as you say, to write an essay about it, what a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I also think we need to look at like, what do we want for and from the language? Because if you go to the Gwaeltocht areas where they speak some of like the richest, most beautiful Irish, if you told them to write it down, it might not be grammatically correct or to the Kaidon. 
but it I don't think you can say it's wrong you know um again that's like a whole other conversation you can get into but like when you are th- th- there's a bit of a double standard even in Irish language media and this has been a conversation in the community for a while now because say for someone like me I don't have the accent I don't have the blast some of my fairy octor pronunciation wouldn't be as native as a native speaker, obviously, because I learned it later in life or the same as in in Spanish or Italian. They're like literally sounds that we don't have in English that you make in Irish. And so I'm I'm learning them and I do say I'm still learning in a lot of aspects. Um, But say if I were to go for a job in an Irish media outlet, that would be a disadvantage to me. But I might have better grammar and better like technically like put all my shavings in the right place because I learned in university or whatever than a native speaker. And yet that wouldn't be corrected for them because as a native speaker, you kind of get a, you have a bit more freedom, I suppose. Mm. Um, And I think that, yeah, it gets complicated then when you get into comparing people and comparing standards. So yeah, I don't, I don't know that like having an A1 in the Leaving Cert necessarily even means that you're the best speaker or the best writer. It means that you got the exam right. Yeah. And I think that that's a big flaw in the language learning system. Yeah. Like I would have had friends in school because I, I think I got a B1 or a B2 in Irish um, and I could have a conversation. I could go to the shop and have a, I could buy what I wanted. I could go out with my friends and speak if, if I wanted to. I didn't think it was cool at the time, so I probably didn't, but <laughs> but I could have. Um, and in my mind, that's use and fluency of the language. Um, but say a friend of mine who was really good at just wrote learning her essays, she got the A1. But if you asked her consultative, she wouldn't be able to answer you. Yeah. So like, what are we assessing when we look yeah. at, at the language as well? Yeah, that is that is important. I remember being, uh, I, I did French for two years in university. And again, like very little actual use of it, but they did then once in university assess me mm-hmm. verbally. And a bit like what you said about the politics and current affairs, they asked me a question that completely threw me because yeah. I was like, I haven't learned how to answer this type of question. You're you're asking me now a question where I'm required to just speak yeah. my mind. And the question was totally random. There's like, there's been an increase in drug trafficking across Europe in the last few years. Why do you think this is? I hate when you get a question like that and I'm like, I don't have an answer in English. Yeah. The only thing I could think of is saying, because I knew some specific words, I saw, I said, the roads have gotten way better. <laughs> Easy transport. Yeah. I like it because I don't think they could necessarily say that's wrong. Um, but that was an example of like, I should have been assessed more often like that in French mm-hmm. or any language where you're put on the spot yeah and you're like okay like all of these words now what are you going to say yeah and a lot of people are learning english that way now in in europe and they're coming out of school with phenomenal levels of mm. english and one like you said that change of p in irish and stuff like that yeah. one big change i know that they made in spain at least i think possibly in italy too is they're teaching specific subjects only through english so i think they teach yeah. science through english maybe like art or, or whatever p definitely is taught through english also mm-hmm. um and it's just creating another use for it yeah um like going to p and having to say pass me the ball yeah or whatever it might I be i remember being like astounded when i went to the basque country for a summer when i was like 19 maybe as an au pair 
and I was to speak English to the two girls who had fluent Spanish because that was in the community. They had fluent Basque because that was what they spoke in school um, and they did PE and something else in French. So by four and nine, they were nearly Jeez. fluent in four languages. Crazy. And obviously with each language you learn, you're kind of unlocking the structures and key to another. Um, so yeah. that they could easily go on and, and learn more mm-hmm. later on if they wanted to. And I just remember being, you know, amazed by this like mm. how we hadn't managed to teach two languages at home and these children had four yeah you know it's incredible yeah it is incredible um i have a friend also who who he grew up speaking french to his mother and english to his father yeah um and obviously then just had the two languages but then he's been able to go on and learn so many at least seemingly quite easily he can speak spanish he can speak catalan he can speak german yeah and on top of english and french um I do think though confidence really always comes into play in this thing. Mm. And obviously like if you've learned both or if you have exposure to two or three languages, you're going to have more confidence and you're going to have more familiarity with them. But I think the biggest gap between a learner and a fluent speaker always is confidence. I remember going to Italy last year with my boyfriend and like I was studying the language. My granddad is Italian, so I've like had little bits always um, and I have really obscure vocabulary. I know all all the food terms anyway. Um, and because I was studying it and trying to get it right, I was falling over my words. I could not even in the restaurants. I was like stumbling and like looking for the right verb or whatever. And meanwhile, Owen was literally just making up words. He was he's no Italian. He was like making up words. He was speaking a bit of French and putting an R and O at the end of it. And they'd be like, oh, amazing. And they were interacting with him instead. <laughs> and it was just that he was like, I don't care. I'll just I'll just go for it. I'll just add the O, add the A, pretend it's Italian. And like that worked. Mm. Um, and I, I just think it comes back to that confidence thing. Like if you are happy to just try to communicate, people will interact with you. Yeah, I had um my experience of that was again going over and thinking i could learn spanish super easily yeah and then realizing obviously that i couldn't uh, and then became very critical in my own head of myself and started thinking about what other people yeah. think of i'd be like oh, i live here eight months now and i i don't speak spanish very people must think i'm stupid mm-hmm. you know um, there's also like there's a mountain or like a curve when you're learning a language because say leaving school i was pretty confident because i'd had it from primary school and i was like yeah i can do this it's fine and then actually when i went to university and started learning the grammar rules and things or learning why things worked a certain way i was like well actually i'm making mistakes all the time i just didn't know about the mistakes because i wasn't at that level yet yeah um and so I think you can be too critical and you can be too in your head about it. Like I was probably more fluent and more confident in first year than I was in second year, because at that point I was like, I can't say that that's wrong. That's, you know, your H is in the wrong place. You've said the wrong breher or whatever it is. And then gradually as you learn them and learn to correct yourself faster, um, mm. the fluency comes back. But I do think you have to have that dip in confidence because you, you're able to be critical of yourself. You can't do that when you're starting out. That's true. Um, I found it very difficult, though. Yeah. Um, that was definitely the hardest point for me. And at that point, I was like fluent in yeah. in um, inverted commas. But I found it mentally the most difficult part and the most self-conscious part. Yeah, 100%. Um, and actually, ironically, it was... I think what happens is your your reality and your true level have to come to the same yeah. place. Yeah. So here was I thinking great things about myself, where in reality I was absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I had the 
uh, the, you know, the shaking of my uh, whole world, which was realizing how bad it was. But eventually, when I just said, you know what, I don't care. I'm, yeah. I'm shit at Spanish. And if they don't understand me, I'll say it again. And if I don't understand, I'll ask them to repeat. And I used to start conversations um, saying, just sorry, just so you know, I don't speak Spanish very well. Can you speak yeah. more slowly? Or so I initially would kind of set the, I take responsibility for it straight away. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, I'd actually stop someone from speaking. I go, no, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wait before you start. I don't understand very well. Um, yeah. So please talk slowly or, you know, be patient with me. I don't want to speak in English. Just please be patient with yeah. me. And then what happened was my Spanish went, just improved so much more quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think that was obviously I, I started using it more and I just kind of came into came to terms with how what my level actually was mm-hmm. and then people started helping you and it was it's an it was purely a mental thing, hundred yeah. percent a mental thing. Um which is kind of And you get that a lot in um in like Irish language spaces, you get people who are like coming to an event for the first time or they're uh, dropping into something and they're like, oh, don't make on done. like Neil Megamot, Neil Gwaelgogum. And then they will proceed to have a fluent conversation with you. Like they, everyone downplays their level. Or I used to actually enlist people in classes and um, international learners would come in and they'd be like, oh, I'm a beginner or maybe a beginner too. I did a course or I learned a few words here and there. Um, and they were always fine. And I put them into a class and they just go to class and be grand. Irish people will come in and be like, oh, no, I haven't done it since leaving through. I'm not very good. I wouldn't have. I'd be a beginner now. I'm I'm a total beginner. And I'd be like, you did the leaving, sir. Like, you're not total. And they'd be like, no, total beginner. And what would happen would be either I'd put them in the beginner's class and after two, three weeks, they'd have scared all the international students off because they were so good and the international mm. students were miles behind them. Um, or they'd be bored because they'd be like, oh, I actually know how to say quantum tattoo and the, the beginner's stuff. Yeah. And they'd end up going up a level or two. Or I'd put them in a class that they refused to take part in I'd be like you're an ord level you're gonna be fine they're like no no I can't do it can't do it and they come in every week and by week three four they'd stay in class and they'd wow. be fine yeah. it just is like I just, it's that thing that we think we need to be perfect we think we need to be better um, but actually we're probably okay mm. and it's it's when you grow up like as, as a kid you're more or less the same as the other kids around yeah. so you're comparing yourself to them mm-hmm. and then it's like what we said earlier, learning anything as an adult. Yeah. I remember two years ago, I went skiing for the first time in my life. I'm so bad at skiing. <laughs> yeah. Again, I have this really, uh, I'm not necessarily a very confident person, but generally before I try something, I think I'm going to be okay at it. Yeah. <laughs> and then just, How hard could it be? <laughs> exactly. You're just going down a hill on sticks. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway. Keep concussion. I... Now, my didn't I was like, do you want a lesson, Mark? And I was like, nah, I'll be fine. Um, and like, <laughs> yeah, cut to 45 minutes later, me in the queue for lessons. Um, but I think what what I found so difficult, I was like going crazy, was there was all of these like little kids, like seven years old, absolutely bombing around and yeah. I was just falling over. And I think, because I went with uh, my partner at the time and she can ski, like no problem. And I'm comparing myself to her comparing myself to these little kids <laughs> whereas I think other people who go on holidays for example ski holidays and they're all like we don't know how to ski let's all seven of us get a ski and then by the end of the week they're okay but never do they feel bad about themselves because they're always at the same level more or less as the other people but 
learning a language or learning anything where you're thrown into like a situation where other people might be fluent or whatever that's really hard yeah really hard even if you're going to a bloody yoga class and you go in and everybody's Class. yeah and you're like oh my god i can't touch my toes in there yeah yeah so don't talk to me about that one that's a conversation for another day i could do a whole series of podcasts on my experience with that yeah but but you improve faster when you're around people that you want to impress or that are a little bit better than you as well i think once you get past the confidence thing because i even find myself now obviously irish is my second language and i speak it all the time i speak with my partner i speak it with most of my friends i use it in the workplace there, there are days where i don't use english um, amazing yeah but still i find myself get lazy sometimes um yeah if you're not like pushing as a learner if you're not improving you you can take steps backwards so if i go a few months without reading properly or without asking or if i'm not listening to good speakers on the radio or whatever particularly because i work a lot with good children and you simplify your language and you throw in english so they understand you or whatever else it might be i sometimes do feel my standards slip a bit but and, and i'd be too comfortable i suppose with my friends or my partner to push myself i'm like if they understand what i'm saying it's grand yeah but if you put me in a room with someone who has really good irish or that i like kind of want to impress yeah i feel myself step up and i pull out these words that i'm like oh, you haven't used that in six months you haven't used that phrase in a long time mm. it is there but you need to keep using it you do need to keep practicing and i think putting yourself in a space where you need to be good really helps i even found that with the radio because i kind of got it back into radio and into Irish at the same time and so having to brush up to go on air was really good for me because I had to have a certain standard I couldn't be lazy about it I couldn't throw in the wrong word or an English word I had to be a bit stricter on myself so I think having something to work towards is also really important so if you're learning like maybe set a goal that you are going to go to a conversation circle or you're going to do a stand-up set or you're going to do something together, you have to push yourself to reach that standard that's probably the same for any language or anything like if you're playing music and you don't have a gig coming up you don't have a reason to practice you don't yeah. have a reason to step up to the next level very true very true yeah is there any um for anybody who's listening and they're like, oh, you know what? I have an intermediate level of Irish. I'd like to actually use it somewhere. Yeah. What would you recommend? Like, I know you, you spoke about stand-up comedy. You spoke about circle sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, turning out circle sessions, conversation uh, circles. Circle sessions is another thing. <laughs> um, what would you recommend checking out? And maybe I can include the links in or yeah. something like that. In, in really, it depends on what you are into because... There is a huge community in Irish or in Dublin and in Galway and in Cork and other places as well. But particularly in Dublin, we're so lucky. There, there's literally a group for anything. Like if you're into sports, you have the Gailoga. There's a running group on a Sunday morning. There is um, a group who go for sea swims together, Osgoelga. Um, there are music sessions that are run Osgoelga. There's a Shannos night um, where you can go and listen to people sing um, and they speak Osgoelga in between. There's the stand up, there's a queer arts collective, there's um, like a bilingual poetry night, literally drag shows, you name it, it's there. Um, I'd say the best place maybe to start would be Club Conor Nogelga, that place that I fell into 10 years ago. Um, it's on Harcourt Street, it is number six, it's downstairs. And it's just a pub, so you're not pressured to do anything in particular, you just be there. Um, but they usually have events on and on their website on club.ie, they'd have um, a list of everything coming up and that could be anything from like there was a festival last weekend with music and a barbecue to a drag show to 
Um, they had like a creativity workshop last year that was really nice. There's something on every weekend. Um, yeah, I'm, it, re it really does depend on what you're into. Um, I think I've seen, I'm not a sports person, but the Gwe Logan make me want to be a sports okay, person. Yeah. I'd love to be involved in that because they have so much fun. I call myself a social member. I just go on their nights out. But <laughs> they, they accept people who maybe have Irish but not football or have football and not Irish. So you can go regardless of your level. And being, I think it's the same as anything. Using it is going to improve your standard and being around it is going to improve it as well. Um, or there was one guy who started with Nguayloga, didn't have a word of Irish, but was obsessed with Kneecap, the band. Do you know them? No. They're rappers from Belfast and they rap Osgueilga. Okay. Um, and he I probably knew, have heard of them then. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you a link. Mm. Um, but he knew all of their lyrics and that was his mode of communication <laughs> for a while. No and he's fluent now. Um, wow. And he even got a full time job with the club a few weeks ago or a wow. few months ago. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. Mm. Um, and like I said, it, it really depends on, I think it, it does help to attach it to something you're already interested in. Like if you don't like stand up, then going to stand up night is not going to be, it's not going to help you. Mm. Um, but if you maybe like reading, there's a reading club for that. Um, there's there's literally a group for everything. And maybe, so that's that's great that I might put a link to that club and yeah. that's a nice, nice place to start. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's also a site called peg.ie, like peig.ie mm -hmm. and they have lists of like every conversation circle every event every anything that's happening all over the country there's like a google map and you just click your your place or your pin cool yeah um do you see a revival of the language or like yeah. you mentioned something earlier on in the conversation you said when you were 13 or 14 you didn't speak irish because it wasn't cool yeah um i'm not going to use the word cool but is it more trendy to be speaking Irish these days? Yeah, definitely. De definitely. I do think it is cool. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so much opportunity. And part of that came with the internet. Part of it came with just community awareness, I think. Um, groups like NECAP or things like Fela Nagyali or um, Fela Nask or, you know, podcasts like Bio Reagan or Nishan Saleh, they've all made it so accessible. Um, and so if you were 13, 14 and you kind of liked the subject when you were in school, like what were you going to do with that? Whereas yeah. now, if you're interested, like you can turn on Radio Nalifa, you can go to Fail Galley, you can go and listen to your favourite podcast and they're going to be talking about pop culture and things that are relevant to you, but it just happens to be Oscar. It's so accessible now. Um, and it is kind of cool. Like, yeah, well, yeah there's yeah. A, a bit of a social currency nearly with it at the moment i don't really like that we put a social currency on it but it is there and you can see brands using it and benefiting from having couple of fuckle on their website or from providing a service which is amazing especially if the services actually are there and um, like at the end of the day if if you're someone who is really passionate about the language or feels a real connection to it on whatever level that might be the the end goal for me anyway is to just be able to use it on a daily basis just have it as part of my everyday ideally i'd like to not even have to go out of my way to do that like i don't have to go out of my way to find english mm. um and that's true for me now now I can, I can turn on the radio i can put on whatever on youtube i can flick on my instagram and half my feed is australia like it, it's right there mm. that's really cool it's also quite exciting with the fact that you know, say, for example, I started learning Italian here, mm -hmm. you know, then I'd have to go to Italy probably more or less to actually use it. Yeah. But even if I start learning this course at Mali and I learn some like new phrases or I relearn them or whatever, then I can go and actually use them. And for yeah. example, in that pub. Yeah. Um, 
which is great because that's the whole idea isn't it it's communication it's the function it's yeah. um there is a way to actually go and use it because maybe six months ago if you had asked me i thought well, well, what would you do that for where are you going to use it yeah um i love the, the kind of secret door as well that it opens like you would you would never know the fail in the galley really exists if you're not in the language or in the the culture or whatever but once you get there it's like there's a whole music festival Asquailga, and it's mm. like running till five in the morning or later or earlier or whatever and it's wild like it, it's it's just it there is something magical about that mm. um and because you have the language you have something in common almost instantly with everyone who's there and they're going to welcome you they're going to be good to you they you have instant friends nearly um which is something really special and i don't think you get that with every language you learn either um it there is a bit of like a homecoming feeling to it yeah nice I have to ask, your surname is Ferrari. Any <laughs> any connection to the car company? No, no, we're about an hour away from Modena, where that comes from. But like Ferrari in Italy is, it's like Smith. Every second oh, really? family okay. village is, is Ferrari or Caletti. So okay. yeah, yeah. we're also not the Ferrari chipper either. My granddad was a greengrocer, not a chipper. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get that a lot. Uh, so your granddad moved from Italy over here? Yeah, they actually moved to London first and then here when my mom was maybe 13, 14. Um, and mom has since become fluent in Irish from working in the primary school where I went. Um, so, yeah. Putting this all to shame. No, ah, there's no shame. <laughs> no shame. I think that's the biggest thing that the people need to like lose around the language is yeah. the shame. And, and, you know, the lack of confidence comes from the shame. I think if we could break that down and just tell people like whatever you bring to the table is fine, that. I think if we could do that with Irish people in general, in general, yeah, that would be we fantastic. We are so cringe, aren't we? Yeah. Ah, it's it's terrible. I once I once had a manager. Um, I, my first job when I came out of university, worked in recruitment for like eight months. Hey, just met some nice people, but not for me. Um, but a manager said to me, he said, if you're interviewing someone, an Irish person, and ask them to tell you three things that they're good at, they will sweat oh, and struggle yeah. and. If you're talking to an American person and ask them to tell you three things that they're good at, they'll be like this, this and this. Whereas vice versa, if you ask an Irish person to, to tell you three things that they're bad at, they'll be like, oh, no problem. Where do I start? The list begins here. But ask an American three things they're bad at and they look and almost won't understand the question. Yeah, yeah. Or they'll spin a good thing like, I'm too perfectionist. Yeah. I'm too good. At it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Um, interesting, embarrassing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Emma, thank you so much. That was thank a real you. pleasure. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, how and where can we check out your podcast? Yes, uh, the Big Fan Podcast is on Spotify, Apple, wherever else. Um, and if you follow me at Ginger iPod, all the links and everything mm. is there. And that podcast is is interviewing people who are essentially big fans of specific musicians. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. We did a deep dive on Bruce Springsteen just before he came, and we spoke to Ali Whelan last week about Harry Styles, um, and fan culture in general. So yeah, it's it's a fun one. I think um, speaking of things becoming trendy. I'm pretty sure the PR people who work for Harry Styles are obviously, you know, top of their game. Yeah. And didn't he finish the gig with a um, a little kind of phrase yes. in Irish? Yes, he did. So, uh, I well, was like, who did that? That was very nice. Yeah, well done, Harry. And obviously, <laughs> well done the people who, uh, who yeah, researched that for him. Um, it's just a sign of things to come, maybe. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe we'll have Harry Styles in here speaking Irish in a few years. <laughs> the dream.